Welcome back, friends. Bill Creasy here with Wednesday's episode of Scripture Uncovered. Hey, remember, on Saturday, we're going to do a tour of our brand new website, 22 university-level courses, 450 video lectures, uh, and a ton of support material. If you would like to take that tour with us, we need to have your name and email in order to invite you. So be sure, if we don't have it already, to go to the bottom of the homepage of LogosBibleStudy.com and enter your name and email, and we'll see you on Saturday morning at noon. So uh, noon Pacific time. So with that, let's get back to where we left off. We are back in the Song of Songs. And now we encounter a new scene in the lover's earlier courtship. She is at home, warm and in bed, and he is outside her window, tap, tap, tapping in the cold and damp. She says, I slept, but my heart was awake. Listen, my beloved is knocking. He says, Open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my flawless one. My head is drenched with dew, my hair with the dampness of the night. Let me in. She says, I have taken off my robe. Must I put it on again? I washed my feet. Must I soil them again? So she tells him, go away. You're late. I've already brushed my teeth and I'm in bed. Apparently, they've had a spat, and she is not about to let him in. The Song of Songs is full of double entendres. Asking her to open to him refers to the door, of course, but it also refers to opening herself sexually to him. She says, My beloved thrust his hand through the latch opening. My heart began to pound for him. I arose to open for my beloved, and my hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers with flowing myrrh on the handles of the bolt. Now, that is probably the most erotic line in the entire Bible. I opened for my beloved, but my beloved had left. He was gone. My heart sank at his departure. He pushed his hand through the opening, fumbling with the lock, but he couldn't open it, so he left. I bet he was angry because she wouldn't let him in. She says, I looked for him, but did not find him. I, I called him, but he did not answer. The watchman found me. As they made their rounds in the city, they, they beat me, they, they bruised me, they took away my cloak, those, those watchmen on the walls. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you, if you find my beloved, what will you tell him? Tell him I am faint with love. Oh, the drama of young romantic love. The friends say, where has your beloved gone, most beautiful of women? Which way did your beloved turn that we may look for him with you? Her lover has disappeared, and her friends offer to help. But now, estranged for the moment, 
She's desperate to find him, knowing that he's, well, elsewhere. She says, My beloved has gone down to his garden, to the beds, plural, of spices, to browse in the gardens, plural, and gather the lilies, plural. I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. He browses among the lilies. At the very same time, in his beds of spices, he uses the same lines on them as he had used on her. What was so romantic earlier now seems like empty cliches. He says to one of the others, You are as beautiful as Tirza, my darling, as lovely as Jerusalem, as majestic as troops with banners. Oh, turn your eyes from me, they overwhelm me. Your hair is like a flock of goats descending from Gilead. Your teeth are like a flock of sheep coming up from the washing. Each has its twin, not one of them is missing. He used that line on her earlier. Now he's using it on someone else. He drags out the old line. It was a good one, I guess. They laughed at it. The temples behind your veil are like the halves of a pomegranate. Sixty queens there may be, and eighty concubines, and virgins beyond number. But you, my dove, my perfect one, you are unique, the only daughter of her mother, the favorite of the one who bore her. The young women saw her and called her blessed. The queens and concubines praised her. This poetic movement offers real insight into the Song of Songs and into Solomon. She is clearly a young and beautiful girl living at home with her parents, a teenager it seems. Solomon became king when he was in his 20s, and when he did, he quickly married Pharaoh's daughter, forging an economic alliance with Egypt. Solomon, as we know, had many women in his harem, in 1 Kings 11, we read, he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. 700 wives and 300 concubines? Oh my gosh, his life must be miserable. At this stage in Solomon's relationship with her, his beloved in the poem, he already has 60 queens, 80 concubines, and virgins beyond number. And when she says, my beloved has gone down to his garden, to the beds of spices, to browse in the gardens and to gather lilies, she's referring to Solomon's harem, adding, I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. He browses among the lilies. She expresses her deep longing for him and her sadness, as after their spat, he's now with his other women. Cold and damp, rejected, he left her, and he now says, I went down to the grove of nut trees to look at the new growth in the valley 
to see if the vines had budded or the pomegranates were in bloom. Before I realized it, my desire set me among the royal chariots of my people. The friends say, Come back, come back, O Shulamite, come back, come back, that we may gaze upon you. He says, Why would you gaze on the Shulamite as on the dance of Mehenaim? After he left her, he went down to his grove of nut trees to check on the plants and not to think about their relationship and her rejecting him. He's depressed. And the whole him-her thing seems a total waste of time, a king's infatuation with a country girl, someone well beneath his status. So he returns home to be among the royal chariots of my people, the place where he belongs. Her friends, meanwhile, urge her to come back, come back, that we may gaze upon you. They had been caught up in the improbable romance of the prince and the pauper. And they wanted to continue so they might enjoy the experience vicariously. But he answers her friends sharply, Why would you gaze on the Shulamite as on the dance of Mahanaim? Mahanaim means the place of two camps. It's the place where Jacob is about to encounter his estranged brother Esau and he expects a fight in Genesis 32. The dance of Mahanaim could well be translated the dance of two war camps, the beloved and her lover at war. So let me get this right. After one rejection, their relationship is falling apart. Now, I don't know about you, but I think Solomon's being overly sensitive with his tender, bruised, and childish ego. Come on, Solomon, man up. Don't be such a wimp. Now, as we move into the next episode, the couple seem to have reconciled. We get the sense that much time has passed, that more women have been added to the harem, and that Solomon and her have grown much older. They're together again. And he drags out the old lines he used to use with her to such great effect in their youth. He says to her, How beautiful your sandaled feet, O prince's daughter! Your graceful legs are like jewels, the work of an artist's hands. Your navel is a rounded goblet that never lacks blended wine. She has an innie, not an outie. <laughs> Your waist is a mound of wheat encircled by lilies. Your breasts are like two fawns, like twin fawns of gazelle. Your neck is like an ivory tower. Your eyes are the pools of Heshbon by the gates of Bath Rabim. Your nose is like the Tower of Lebanon, looking toward Damascus. <laughs> A big Jimmy Durante nose. Your, your head crowns you like Mount Carmel. Your hair is like royal tapestry. The king is held captive by, captive by its tresses. How beautiful you are and how pleasing, my love, 
with your delights. Your stature is like that of a palm and your breast like clusters of fruit. I said, I will climb the palm tree and take hold of the fruit. May your breast be like clusters of grapes on the vine, the fragrance of your breath like apples and your mouth like the best of wine. She replies with a bit of a sigh. May the wine go straight to my beloved, flowing gently over lips and teeth. I belong to my beloved. His desire is for me. Come, my beloved. Let us go to the countryside. Let us spend the night in the villages. Let us go early to the vineyards to see if the vines have budded, if their blossoms have opened, and if the pomegranates are in bloom. There I will give you my love. The mandrakes send out their fragrance, and at our door is every delight, both new and old, that I have stored up for you, my beloved. She's, it's telling that she suggests going to the countryside, the place she lived as a young girl, the place where he courted her. Let, let's go back and imagine things the way they were, she says. It's springtime, a time of love. The mandrakes send out their fragrance. The mandrake is an aphrodisiac. It's a, the love plant, the Viagra of its day. Now, a long time has passed, and he and she have long since lost the fire of romantic love, the pure intoxication of being fiercely and desperately in love. And now her friends say, we have a little sister and her breasts are not yet grown. What should we do for our sister on the day she is spoken for? If she is a wall, we will build towers of silver on her. If she's a door, we will enclose her with panels of cedar. Huh. Now her friends mention that they have a little sister. Perhaps she, the beloved, could do something for their sister. Perhaps bring her into court, into the king's harem. He, he might be delighted with her. Delighted, indeed. She says, I am a wall, and my breasts are like towers. Thus, I have become in his eyes like one bringing contentment. Solomon had a vineyard in Baal Hamon. He let out his vineyard to tenants. Each was to bring for its fruit a thousand shekels of silver. But my own vineyard is mine to give. The thousand shekels are for you, Solomon, and two hundred are for those who tend its fruit. So what a sad closing for her. She, who had been so madly, passionately in love with him, 
is now a wall, evoking the enclosed garden imagery of her younger days. She is closed off, protecting herself. Sadly, she views herself not as his great passionate love, but more as one bringing contentment. Young love has died, replaced by resignation. He then re-enters the scene, boisterously inviting, you who dwell in the gardens with friends in attendance, let me hear your voice. Hey, let's party. And she, putting on her mask, replies, come away, my beloved, and be like a gazelle or like a young stag on the spice-laden mountains. That is a sad tale an elegy to lost love. And if we place it at the end of Solomon's life, sometime after Ecclesiastes, where Solomon says, meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless, utterly meaningless. If we place the Song of Songs after that, we see Solomon looking back to the one thing he ever truly loved and lost. I'm, I'm about to cry here. But we have to ask, who was the girl? Who is she? Who was it that was so beloved of Solomon? That's a very good question. And I think I know the answer. That's why I'm the professor. But we will have to wait until Friday to find out. I leave you on an erotic cliffhanger. All right, friends. Good being with you today, this Wednesday. And remember, we're having a tour of the website on Zoom on Saturday at noon. Make sure we have your name and your email and you'll get an invite and we'll all be together again. Our first uh, Zoom tour, we had 40 some people. The second, this past Saturday, we had 50 people. So there's a great deal of interest in the, in the new website and uh, the content on it. And we're getting lots of memberships coming in. So please do take a tour of the website with us. Uh, you get to meet with us and uh, I'll be there. My son, Dr. Jonathan Creasy, who built the website, will be there. And Andrew will be there as well, our audio and technical engineer. So see you then. I'll be back on Friday and perhaps see you in, at Zoom on Saturday. Bye-bye now.